0: I'm on a mission to reach 10 million women in the next 10 years. The ones that
1: say I'm not stressed, these are like my favorite type of clients.
2: Two of my favorite things about Kentucky, bourbon and artists.
3: I'm Richard Gerhart.
2: And I'm Elizabeth Gerhart.
4: You've just heard some great tidbits from our show. Stay tuned for the rest.
5: Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart.
3: Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, founder of Gearhart Law, a firm specializing in patents, trademarks, and copyrights.
4: I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not an attorney. But I have a couple of startups and I do the marketing for your heart lock.
3: Welcome to Passage to Profit, everyone, the show that's all about entrepreneurship, small businesses, and the intellectual property that helps them flourish. We have a very special guest, Karen Laus. She's a confidence cultivator and communication expert, and we are really looking forward to having her on the show.
4: And then we have someone that I really need to connect with, Siki Tao. She is a meditation and stress management expert. And I love some of the things that are listed in her bio that she does. And Morgan Hancock has a nonprofit called Bourbon with Heart. It's bourbon and it's art. It's really cool. I can hardly wait to hear about this. But
3: first, it's time for IP in the news. And we just have another lawsuit today. But there
4: was a jury verdict. So I don't think that people realize all the time that intellectual property issues like patent infringement, trademark infringement can actually go before a jury of people like a criminal case can.
3: And it's kind of interesting because patents are so complex and convoluted. And, and if you haven't read a patent, you probably don't really understand. The point I'm trying to make here, but it is complicated stuff. And for a jury to be able to understand it and then render a verdict is a pretty amazing thing. In this case, who was it? at and finesse? They got into a dispute about some satellite technology for radio towers. And so it's all very technical. But it is important to appreciate that these cases do go to court and patents play an important role in. Safeguarding technology. So
4: if you have an important invention and somebody else infringes on it, you can recover damages.
3: Absolutely. So now it's time for Richard's Roundtable, and I'm going to ask each of our distinguished guests their opinion. Karen, what are your thoughts about this lawsuit?
0: It definitely reminds me the importance of protecting yourself and doing everything that you can to do that. And as a newer entrepreneur, just launching during COVID, my eyes have been opened much more than normal, (laughs) I would say in my past about the importance of that. And so I, first of all, think, wow, okay, what are all the things that we as entrepreneurs need to do to take care of ourselves? So I think it's important.
3: There are lots of things in order to protect investment. So you can protect your investment in your brand through trademarks, creative works, through copyrights, those are relatively inexpensive and they're opportunities for you to protect the newness or the novelty or the uniqueness of your business. You may not be inventing a tech product, so maybe patents are not the right solution for you, but there are other opportunities to the intellectual capital
0: as you were talking i was thinking yeah all the time that i've spent on these things i don't want it to get taken away
3: it's important to check especially in the world of trademarks if you're selecting a name for a business You may pick a name, you may find a URL that's available, even be able to register the LLC at the state level, but somebody can have a federal trademark that is a problem for you. And so you wanna know that before you invest a lot of money into your branding, advertising, packaging, if you're packaging things. You don't want somebody to come out of the word work two or three years down the road after you've put all of that effort into creating your product. It's really important to check with an attorney before you get too far down the road and make sure that the path is clear. Kenya, what are your thoughts on this lawsuit and intellectual property in general, maybe?
6: How can the little guy or like the little entrepreneur feel empowered if they find themselves in a situation like this?
3: I think there's no guarantees with intellectual property. They're a business tool that you can use to help defend yourself. It does take resources to challenge somebody else. The value of, for example, a trademark registration, though, is hopefully that you register your trademark and somebody else comes along after you and they also check and they say, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I'm not going to take that trademark because somebody else already has it. That's what we tell our clients. We check. We do a search somebody else has the same mark, then we'll steer them away from it. And so it protects you without you ever actually having to fight with somebody. So I think that's a really important point.
4: But sometimes even just a cease and desist letter will be enough.
3: Absolutely. To make the other
4: person stop
3: using your branding. Absolutely. So Morgan, what are your thoughts on all of this?
2: I don't know if you guys know this, but Intellectual property is actually a big part of my life in multiple different ways. Just with bourbon with heart, when it comes to art, owning art, even images of your art is you know, a, a big deal. I mean, I could have an artist paint something and then someone can even buy that, but they don't then own the rights to that image necessarily or to resell that image or to use it commercially. So there's a lot there.
3: So you're a real insider. Siki, <laughs> what are your thoughts on all this?
1: My thoughts on all this is that it is the perfect timing um, for me, especially especially in the midst of branding, and this is all very new to me. I don't have a lot of knowledge of it, but I'm definitely open and excited about this and I will definitely need you guys in the near future.
7: Oh, I think we uh, need you (laughs) too. I'm glad we have your email.
1: It's all in the timing,
3: right? Absolutely. So that was amazing. I guess the takeaway from this is if you're starting a new business, you want to make sure that you pay attention to the intellectual property piece at Mm -hmm. some appropriate point. It can help you protect your business, protect your ideas. And so that's part of the reason why we're doing the show is really to Mm -hmm. get the word out there on these Topics. So it's time to move to our guest, Karen Louse, communication expert and confidence cultivator. And she also has a podcast. Karen, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what motivated you to get into this in the first place.
0: Well, I'm on a mission to reach 10 million women in the next 10 years, specifically to eradicate self doubt. And help women to speak up. That is the one problem that I solve in the marketplace is to help women speak up so they stop missing opportunities. And I got into it because that's my story. For too long I held back from sharing my ideas even though I was in a leadership role in the corporate world and had a really wonderful job traveling all over the world and speaking at all these amazing brands like Google and Facebook and such. And yet, when I would be sitting in leadership meetings with my own peers, I would feel intimidated a lot and pulled back from sharing what I really wanted to share at times. So I thought, you know what? This is a problem <laughs> and I need to solve it. Yeah, the Gearheart
4: Law Management Team wishes I would do that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it, but you brought it up and Elizabeth has no problem holding back. That is for sure.
4: I wanna kind of jump in because there's one question I really wanna ask you about. You have a talking point, which is nine words that undermine your credibility and what yes. to say instead. Just even a few of those. I would love to hear this.
0: Well, I'll give an example. Two for one, just and little. A lot of times we'd say things like, I just want to share a little tip. And it diminishes our credibility as opposed to, I want to share a tip. Or you share the tip. <laughs> you don't have any of the precursors. But I find then especially I notice in... For those of you that are able to see us, I'm hunching a little bit when I say, I just wanna share a little tip, or mm-hmm. I just have a little question to ask. The message that it sends underneath the surface is, I'm just a little person and I'm not really worth anything. And that may be a little over the top when I say it like that, but it's being mindful of those things. And of course, apologizing unnecessarily is a huge one. And instead of saying, I'm sorry, saying, excuse me, or thank you for understanding. I was in the grocery store the other day and three women, including myself, were in an aisle together. None of us bumped into each other, but people were saying, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. And I'm thinking, what are you sorry for? (laughs) I'm sorry that I entered this aisle that you were in. (laughs) That's how it comes across. So those are a few of them.
4: I think it's kind of the first one, especially it's like, do you mind if I ask you a question? You're like, well, you just did.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm getting is that languaging is important. And that's part of presenting yourself as a confident communicator, picking the right words. So how do you work with people in order to get them out of these habits?
0: The number one tool is to record. So it's simply recording, seeing how you sound. So usually when I start working with a client one-on-one, it'll be a, a one minute intro. Just, hey, just say something for about a minute about yourself. And then we watch it back. And it's fascinating because I'd say the biggest thing, first of all, it's incredible awareness, probably like all of us on here know when you're on video and and anybody listening, I would say that the majority of the human race doesn't like to see themselves recorded. But what I find fascinating, even though people sort of curl over when I say that and they go, no, 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 I don't want to watch myself. That's what people come back with and say, can we do more video recording? And I say that one of the things is people catastrophize how they're going to look or sound in advance because We're naturally all our own worst critics. And yet when people watch it back, when we do it together, they're surprised at their strengths because I always start with celebrating the strengths that people have. But then going back to the words, sometimes it's the words that we say that we should simply eliminate, similar to things like um and ah that aren't obviously words, but other words like like (laughs) or so, you know, even phrases at the end of the day, these things that we say repeatedly that get in the way and diminish our credibility.
4: That is so true. I realize like, especially if you transcribe your videos.
3: And I think though, just to amplify what Karen is saying, it's important to listen to yourself. And I actually at one point had a chart, an Excel spreadsheet, where I would talk extemporaneously for 30 seconds. I was trying to train myself to be a better radio personality. And I would go back and listen and I would mark a column for so's and a column for you knows, and I would track that and over time I eventually got better at being able to present without using those intermediary words. The problem though for me was that if I lose awareness of that. Or if I don't do it for a while, I'll go back into old habits again. I love your message. I think it's very important, but it's something you have to kind of stay with.
0: It's like that carnival game whack-a-mole where you get rid of one, you might get rid of um and uh, but then another one comes up. And I remember once co-facilitating with a colleague and (laughs) at the end of the training, she goes, do you know that you say the reality is all the time? I thought what like what a weird <laughs> phrase to say but then I started hearing it I would be facilitating, and the reality is, eye communication is so important. <laughs> the reality, <laughs> of that. and that's actually a really good reminder of just what you said—just the the tracking, the awareness. You know, you've got to find what works for you. The recording, other people, because I feel like for whatever reason, if you aren't recording and listening to yourself back, which of course is still my number one recommendation, but the second part of that that can work in conjunction with the recording is getting objective feedback from people that you're around and people that you trust that you can ask, Hey, did I say anything that was distracting or even better yet? Hey, I'm working on eliminating. So, and that, by the way, Elizabeth was mine is still mine. And I continue to work on it, (laughs) but it's so helpful to ask other people. And then of course the transcripts,
4: I think too, if you can Take yourself outside of yourself a little bit when you're watching this and pretend like you're watching somebody else you're going to yes. be a lot nicer to somebody else than you're going to be to yourself but absolutely
3: kenya, kenya you must have some comments it's like
4: perfect on the radio she never
6: does any of this bad stuff and i don't know how she oh, does it god i'm not but thank you <laughs> I, <feel> like- <laughs> I guess one of my questions for you is as women how do we get over the jitters of going into an environment where we have to be bold and we have to speak our mind. Like, how do you get past the emotionals? Cause I feel like we're emotional creatures and sometimes we carry that into conversations. So like, what is your advice to get past the emotional piece of like what challenges us sometimes?
0: Yeah, I have a couple of them. So the the first thing that I would recommend that I find super helpful to tackle that self doubt is to ask five people that you know and trust to give you five qualities that are positive about you. The strengths, qualities, something that will help you to be reminded and see themes that perhaps you didn't even know that were part of you because we carry ourselves with us wherever we go. So we don't always see these things. And that I have found can be a really huge confidence booster. And the other thing that I would recommend is something that I call a celebration portfolio. It's it's very similar. And that is to collect testimonials, thank you cards. I actually had a, I started one back in, when I was first in my beginning, my career, I'd gotten that advice from someone and I find it wonderful, especially when you're having an off day and you're not feeling very confident to go back and look at all the things that people have said. Mm -hmm. And that could be a great reminder for sure that can help you. And then on a, at a very tactical level, specific to, using our physiology is to recognize that there's no difference between nervousness and excitement in our bodies. So by we can trick our brains from a neuroscience perspective to say, I'm so excited to be bold in this meeting, or I'm thrilled as opposed to saying, oh, I'm nervous and bringing all those negative messages into ourselves.
3: It's not only women who are nervous when it comes time to speak up. And even if you're the leader, you can say something wrong that damages something or sets the team off on the wrong track. So I don't think it's ever really easy if you're putting yourself out there and trying to move a group forward.
4: And I want to say I was so excited to have Karen on the show today because the keynote speaker topics listed here are all things that light a fire under me. I want (laughs) to go to the three C's to command any room with confidence. What are those?
0: Oh, Am I giving those away? I'm just kidding. I might need to consult my IP attorney. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
3: Well, well, before we get to that, you're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest, Karen Laus. And we'll be back right after this message.
8: What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearhart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson.
3: Now back to passing to profit once again richard and elizabeth gearhart
4: and our special guest karen laus she has already given us some incredible advice i was asking her before the break what are the three c's to command any room with confidence she's a little reluctant to share all her secrets but maybe just the tip of
0: the iceberg karen I'm happy to share. I, I, I believe in abundance. <laughs> I don't really think that anything is is that protected. So, Well, I'll give you the three, and then I'll give you one of my favorite tips. Clarity, credibility, and the third one is a phrase, claim your power. Clarity, why I recommend that is really important. Well, I think we all know why it's important. But one of my favorite tips is how to stop rambling and get to the point. Because I'm a recovering rambler myself, I have to fully say that in disclosure. But one of the things that people often ask is, what do I do when I get off topic? And the first thing I always say is, well, the first thing you want to do is start with the point. (laughs) A lot of us give this extraneous detail, we do a data dump of information, and people don't know why they're listening to you. And remembering to start, what is the lead of your story? What is the immediate point that you want to get out at the top of the meeting? And then- From there, if you get lost, stop, pause, and say out loud, and my point is this. Or you could simply pause, gather your thoughts, and move to the point. I prefer the external speaking. Personally, that works for me best because when I do that, I find that not only does it help me focus, it helps my audience know, oh, she has a point, and we're going somewhere. It brings us all back. What do you
4: do if you lose credibility? with people. Can you ever get that back?
0: Yes, I'd say so. I think about all the examples and of course, none is immediately coming to mind for me, but there are so many examples in life where you think about leaders, whether it's politicians or leaders of companies that have recovered, even after massive lawsuits or things like Martha Stewart, for example, and she's rebuilt her brand again and again and again. The more that we can focus on recovery and going, okay, what do I need to do that in that case? And so to me, it's about rebuilding trust. And there are various ways that you can do that for sure. But a big part of it is being authentic. And that's, I'm just being real, being candid. And I'd say that that's becoming obviously in the last, what, 10, 20 years has become even more valued. I don't think that it wasn't valued before per se, but it is much more prominent in the marketplace now. And you think about Brene Brown, her book and all that she does around dare to lead and that courage and vulnerability that to me is the most important thing, rebuilding trust. And yeah, that's just critical.
4: And I think if you want to use the Martha Stewart example, you better be pretty brave too and willing to put yourself out there again.
3: Yes. When yeah. I mean, Martha Stewart had a criminal conviction. That is hard to come back from. The problem is understanding why you lost credibility in the first place and then really understanding that. And then you can, I think, work toward, you know, building trust.
4: I think part of her success coming back though was a lot of people didn't feel like she deserved to go to prison for that. Because there are a lot of other people doing exactly the same thing who didn't go.
3: Right. And, and it
4: was just like crazy. It's like somebody's got something out
3: for her. I completely agree with you.
0: I have a personal example of that, which was something that actually made me early on in my career almost pivot in a different direction. And I'm so grateful that I didn't. I was a corporate trainer working for Gap, Inc., And I had a pretty high stakes talk that I was giving and I thought I did fine. I mean, I honestly didn't even know that there was a problem. And when I sat down right after giving my talk, my boss looked at me and said very nervously, well, how do you think you did? And I wanted to say, just tell me I didn't do well, obviously, And I'm still a little nebulous about what happened, but all I can tell you is this. She said, you've got to be more organized, more prepared. You should have come earlier. You should have been here to mingle with the client, you know, all these things that I didn't even know. But the point is, it caused me at first to say to my direct, direct boss, do you think that I should just quit this altogether? Maybe I'm not cut out to be a speaker or a trainer. And she said, well, you're going to let one situation get in your way. No, you go to town. It's your choice, but you got to build this back up if you want to do this. And I think you should. And she helped instill confidence in me. And so the next time I made sure to do my due diligence. And a year later, I remembered the boss that had looked at me and said, how do you think you did? She came up to me and said, I want you to know I've seen all the changes that you've made and I'm hearing so many amazing things. So it was one of those personal stories where I'm really happy that I pushed into it. And it was very humbling for me, I must admit, especially with some a lack of clear direction, but then just going, okay, what do I need to do here to up my game? So I was able to rebuild that trust.
3: You deserve a lot of credit for that because other people, like probably me, if I were in that sort of situation, I may not have heard that feedback and acted on it. But you did. And you made changes. And obviously, it worked out really well. But you have to be receptive to that feedback and willing to take it seriously. And you did that. I think that's amazing.
6: Yeah, I was just going to say on the opposite end of the spectrum, sometimes when women are too boisterous or bold, we're labeled I won't say the word on the radio, but we're labeled as such. And it's so frustrating because when we as women say something, right, sometimes it's just not adhered to. And then when a man says something, they're like a hero. And we're so criticized sometimes unlike how we articulate things. So us being strong and being bold oftentimes gets classified as the other word we we're talking about. So what is the distinction and how can we as women move past that label?
0: I would classify it as connection and credibility, where if you're too connected, which you could define as warm, more nurturing. And if you've got too much on that credibility, competence side, I do think that they can be integrated. So hear me when I say that. But if we're looking at them as two extremes, the other side being that strong, bold, as you say, that tightrope that we're always walking. The way that I look at it is if you can have that strength in your voice and have a lightness to your expression. Now, I know that this might sound very trite. Just, well, is that really the, all that it is? No, but that is a good place to start. Because a lot of times, what I notice is when people get emboldened, first of all, I want to say, I know the world is not fair. So that's important to say right out loud because I've had people say, you know, how do we change this? Well, we can change it by continuing to speak up, but do it in a way that isn't coming across as I'm resentful, I'm bitter. I'm angry. I do think that you can still come across, and I think any human being should come across this way with kindness as well as directness. Now, of course, the challenge is still there. And so being able to navigate and go, okay, how do I come across? Maybe I come across with this furrowed brow facial expression where I look really upset. Now, there is an element of that's the way society is, but there's also the element of what can I do to change that? And that's where I come back to getting feedback whether it's from other people around you or whether it's from the actual video recording that you see. It's, it's a combination of factors, and there isn't just one recipe. There's a variety of different possibilities here. But I do think that I'm amazed at how many people are criticized for some of this. When I work with them, I see some of the blind spots that they have of, you know, you could actually shift that. And you might get a different result. You might not, but you might.
6: I'm known as two things, either a light breeze or a tornado. So those are the two categories. (laughs) Got to find the medium, I guess.
0: You know, a lot of times women will say, I get interrupted all the time. And so I say, well, okay, that might be a very legitimate fact. I've been in that situation myself. The question I ask is, how are you starting when you speak? That's the thing to listen to. So first of all, going back to the light turn, what did you say? The light breeze? (laughs) Because... A light breeze is someone who starts with okay, so um uh everybody we're gonna um start the meeting with this <laughs> versus <laughs> here's how we're gonna start the meeting here's the agenda here's what we're going for. It's such a different feel,
4: Karen, do you take private clients right now to help them improve?
0: I do. I usually do speaking engagements most often in the corporate world, but I do take a handful of individual clients for sure Karen at excuse me, it's karenlaus.com and that is spelled dot scom
4: Well, thank you very much. This has been fascinating. We hope you can stick around for the rest of the show. Passage to Profit, The Road to Entrepreneurship with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Lots more fun to
7: come up. So please stay with us. Hi, I'm Lisa Askleys, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years hundreds of products later, and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me. Lisa Askeley's the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, InventingAz.com. Email me, Lisa, at inventingAz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com.
3: Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. It's time now for Power Move. Hey, Kenya, who's our Power Move?
6: Yes, so for Power Move today, we have Shonda Prescott Weinstein. And due to lack of representation in the world of scientific research and with black women who study Physics being under and overlooked, she decided to lead a multi year effort to create a list of all the professional publications by Black women with PhDs and physics related disciplines with the goal of illuminating these women and their work. And her database just got released last month. It has over 4,000 entries with published works by over 180 women, and it covers 50 years of research, and it's believed to be the first database of any field of science that's focused on the work of Black women. So she is our power move for today. You're and Elizabeth welcome. is a scientist, too, so I that's yes. one of the reasons why I picked it. Oh, thank you, Kenya. But I have to say that is
4: very impressive. And I think that the stereotypical vision of people in this society is the scientist is a guy with glasses and a white lab coat. But there are a lot of women doing science. There are a lot of Black women doing science, contributing quite a bit. In fact, when we had someone on the show during that horrible disease, which we don't like to say the name of, <laughs> she said that a Black woman helped develop one of the vaccines for that.
3: That's right. So
4: there's a lot going on, and I would implore people to put aside their blinders and just see people for people, and realize Mm -hmm. everybody's got something to contribute, Mm -hmm. even the person you might not expect. So that's awesome. Thank you. So
3: Elizabeth,
4: on to my startup. So for those of you who haven't listened before, I have a startup. I called it Fireside. I do video interviews of small business owners. So I did a lot of interviews, and I'm compiling them. I'm getting a new website. I'm still doing interviews, and people will book with me every once in a while, and I really love doing these. Interviews of these business owners. The people are so fascinating to talk to. And when you get people going about something that they're passionate in about, like their business, it's a really great conversation. So I'm still doing my interviews for Fireside, rebranded as Blue Streak, because Fireside was just way too common of a name and there could have been trademark issues. Blue Streak, I think, defines a project better in some ways as well. And then I also started a new podcast with somebody I met at a conference. It's called the Jersey pod cats, and it's all about cats (laughs) and we have cat lovers on and we talk about our cats and we are having a blast with it. It's on all the podcasting sites. Of course, it's a YouTube channel too. So it's the Jersey pod cats. Now I want to go to our next presenter, a meditation and stress management expert. Wow. We all need that Siki Tao. And I just want to spell her name. If you want to go to her website while you hear us talking, it's T-S-I-K-K-I, Siki, T-H-A-U, Tau.com. So welcome, Siki. Tell us all about what you do.
1: I am a stress management expert. I've been in this field for about 30 years now. I love what I do, and some of my expertise are in obviously inspiring others, business people, business mind-like people stay-at-home moms, celebrities to all come to their core and their center because everybody needs help, especially the ones that say, I'm not stressed. I don't have a problem. These are like my favorite type of clients.
3: Can you tell just by looking at somebody whether they're stressed or not since you've been in this field for a long time?
1: A hundred percent.
3: So do you think Elizabeth and I? I think
1: not because you're passionate about what you're doing and it shines. So definitely not.
4: You are a foremost authority in mind over body techniques. That's something I really need, quite honestly. <laughs> so can you explain what you mean by that?
1: It means mastering. Everybody has the gift to master their mind and have control over their thoughts. And I think once you take science and breath therapy together and you put it together, you can master your own mind. Therefore, you can control everything. Everything that you're doing, you, you're in charge of your life and you take charge in every step that you make without feeling less of. If you're dealing with disease, which a lot of people are dealing with disease The mind controls the body. So if we have more control over the mind, therefore we can heal our body and any challenges that come our way.
3: That's really great. So what are some of the techniques that you use?
1: There are many, many tools and techniques. Like I said, it takes discipline, dedication, and time. However, since I deal with a lot of, such as yourself, CEOs, attorneys, business people on the go, fast paced, and they say, Siki, I don't have time to meditate.
3: Do you think that they're just not willing to solve the problem?
1: I think they're here too much, so they're not taking the time to understand that time is all they have. And if they utilize their time wisely, they will find the time to calm down, not necessarily meditate. So I did develop a system that takes a minute and a half for you to calm down. And it is one, two, three, couple steps, and you are calm. And that is for the fast-pacing person that says they cannot meditate.
5: Well, That's you, great.
4: Your systems must work because if you deal with these kind of people all day and you're as mm-hmm. relaxed
6: and calm and happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish I would have had your one-minute system yesterday because I really need not oh. Call uh, <laughs> so, so just curious. So for someone who has like a busy brain, right? Mm-hmm. And they're constantly like overthinking and there's a lot going mm-hmm. on. What tips or recommendations do you have like to kind of get past that barrier of like thinking you can't meditate because you're always thinking about a million other things?
1: So you hit the jackpot there. It's the thinking that's the problem. If you can just visualize like a stop sign in front of you, for example, and just feel instead of thinking, tell yourself, I need to feel. The second you say, I need to feel, you stop thinking because you've focused on a feeling, kind of like when you see a cute cat or a little doggy. Instead of thinking, Oh, gosh, what is the doggie doing? You're feeling, my goodness, this is an overload of cuteness. So it's a feeling that takes over versus a thought. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Those
4: feelings are pretty powerful.
3: Lots of times I have trouble sleeping, racing brain, and I'm trying to go to sleep. How do you help a person like me, assuming there's hope.
1: It's a common question that I constantly get with clients is, you know, I'm I'm having trouble falling asleep. First of all, when is your last meal? What time does that take place? I think that's important. Second, are you taking magnesium every night? That helps all the muscles and nerves calm down. And it's the exact minerals that you need to put your brain at ease. And third, of course, whatever works for you, you can find the best calming music, listen to a podcast, listen to something calming. I like waterfalls and the sound of water uh-huh. personally. And uh-huh. then test your breath. Where is my breath? Uh-huh. In short breath, short life. Long breath, long life. So when you're laying down, take 30 seconds and take a deep breath. If your breath stops by your chest, that means that there's some kind of stress happening, which obviously the brain again is telling you I'm not calm enough to fall asleep. So then take another breath. If it goes past your heart and starts to go a little deeper down, that means you're starting to calm down. So the combination with the breath, music, magnesium
3: works perfectly. Wow. I know what you're doing tonight. Yeah, I know what I'm I'm doing tonight. I'm breathing. Yeah, uh, But uh, magnesium, do you use magnesium tablets? I
1: would uh, discuss that with your doctor or nutritionist because every person has different type of magnesium that suits them. Like you have glycinate and citrate. And different other ones, which one suits you best? But I will tell you that it is a lifesaver. It's the best minerals that you can give yourself as a gift for bedtime. So, Karen, do you want to chime in here?
0: Sure. First of all, I have always wanted to be that calm person. And it's interesting that people will often say, Oh, you're so calm. And yet internally I feel like things are chaotic. And you reminded me when you talked about the feeling that I remember once years ago, having a therapist who told me after I shared something semi-traumatic with him, he said, well, where are you feeling it in your body? So I told him, you know, my stomach or my throat. And so put your hand on your stomach. And I actually had had such a good relationship with him. I said, Dennis, I'm paying you $150 an hour to touch my stomach. Let's get to the point here. <laughs>
3: that does sound (laughs) like something karen would say
0: that was my first sort of indoctrination to feeling feelings and recognizing now the power of them and that just opens up a whole new world so i love the work that you're doing ziki thank you
1: thank you so much
3: right i think identifying the feelings and then if you just stay with them they sort of go away after a while right they sort of dissipate but sometimes i can't do that You know, even though it sounds good in theory, it doesn't always work in practice.
1: Is that because the logic takes over all the time?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of staying with the feeling part is the hard Mm -hmm. part. Yeah,
4: I wanted to go into some more from your bio. It says you offer private transformation sessions, which combine energy psychology, intuitive transformation and self-introspection. What is energy psychology?
1: Energy psychology is basically knowing where the person is, the moment where they're struggling or everybody has some kind of a struggle so when my clients come to me it's kind of, it's almost like a radar again it's connection with a feeling because when you connect to a feeling of whoever's feeling in front of you I you know it's kind of sounds strange you get the answers by the time a client calls me they need help they're struggling I tell you why because most people that reach the top it could be abundance they call me and they say, I feel empty. I There's something wrong and I don't know what it is. And it's something that simply they haven't dealt with. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. They just haven't tapped into it. So I help them with energy and psychology and the science of breath tap into that point point. That's causing them a discomfort or a place of, I'm just not happy. I hear that all the time. I've reached everything. I've reached the top. I make all the money. I've hit all my goals, but I'm not happy. It's this place of emptiness. And this is where the energy goes in and the psychology again, and that feeling, how do we fill it up? So you're back to happy and it's to do with a feeling. And it's a feeling that a lot of times you don't want to look into can be to do with your childhood. It could be with something you've never dealt before, or it's a complete subconscious thing that you're not aware of. So I just pop the balloons for everybody.
3: What is your technique to help pop the balloons, so to speak?
1: Again, I feel them out. I ask them a few questions like, how are you? I just generalize conversation and then I target the issue and they just lean back most of the time because they have no clue what just happened. We need a few balloons pop. (laughs)
3: You want to get your balloons popped first or should I?
1: No, but that's
4: a great way to describe it because that is what it feels like, this pressure of what's going on,
6: what's wrong, and then the release when you... Mm-hmm. Pop a balloon, so to speak and all of it just comes out Kenya for me I pray a lot and that works really well to pop balloons mm-hmm. so I just think that it's good to have a way to release things and not hold on to things in terms of like say you're going through your day like what are some tips and tricks like if you're having a hectic day and you mm-hmm. need to like reset and you don't have a whole time. lot of time on your hands
1: I think you just run to the bathroom bathroom breaks are very valuable for on-the-go people fast-paced bathroom breaks because when you go to the bathroom you have what the 30 seconds to two minutes to say hey get yourself together close your eyes for 30 seconds and imagine where you want to be in that moment just a quick picture this is where i'm at i'm in control everything is in perfect order i got this Get out the bathroom as you're washing your hands, look in the mirror and just tell yourself you got this. That's so, all you need.
3: Are you doing these thoughts while you're going to the bathroom? Yes. bathrooms okay. right.
1: are Amazing.
3: Okay. okay. So you're <laughs> actually using it as intended. So well,
4: you're, you're thinking about it and you're doing a physical release at the
1: same time. What could be better? Yep. And you're grateful that you can go to the bathroom. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> there are those things. <laughs> just a minute. I'm feeling stressed. I got to go to the bathroom. So.
1: <laughs> if that doesn't work and you don't have time to go to the bathroom, then try to just do one little jump in place. Just one little jump and you shake your hands.
4: Could you please tell us your website again so
1: people can get a hold of you? Sikitao.com. dot com.
4: And in case anybody missed that, our podcast always comes out after the episode and we have everybody's websites on there. So we are going on to our final guest. And this is something near and dear to Richard's heart. Both of these things. Morgan Hancock has a nonprofit called Bourbon with Heart. It's bourbon and it's art and Richard loves both those, but I'm going to let Morgan talk about that.
2: Bourbon with Heart was created as a way to bring together two of my favorite things about Kentucky. It's bourbon and it's artists. So Kentucky's already known worldwide as the leader of the bourbon industry, but what we're much lesser known for here in Kentucky is our rich and vibrant arts culture and art is extremely important to Kentuckians and we have a lot of talent here and we're just not well known for that. So we're using this organization as a way to leverage that existing influence and popularity of the bourbon industry to bring awareness, uh, raise funds, educate people, provide access to our rich and thriving arts culture in Kentucky.
3: Well, that is a surprise to me. I'm not surprised about the bourbon, but I'm surprised about the arts culture. Has it been that way for a long time? Have there been a lot of artists gravitating toward Kentucky or are Kentuckians just sort of naturally artistically inclined?
2: both and just because of exactly what you said you didn't know that is hopefully a couple years from now we will have changed that and then we will be recognized as one of the leaders in the arts world but everything kentuckians whether it's visual arts performing arts we've got multiple movies being filmed hollywood movies being filmed in kentucky right now i mean every type of art across the board we have it here and of course we have bourbon and we like to say that a good glass of bourbon like art brings people together
3: tell us about your organization
2: well we call ourselves kentucky's first and only arts focused bourbon charity and in fact we could probably say the world's first and only so maybe you guys could help me out with that of the intellectual property there (laughs) i believe we are the world's first and only arts focused bourbon charity so we have all different initiatives. Right now, we are doing a bourbon barrel art exhibit. It launches February 1st. That's our unveiling night. The tickets sold out in within hours. This particular exhibit is 20 bourbon barrels. Bourbon barrels are... Large and heavy, by the way. So, when I started this particular exhibit, I did not think through how heavy these were going to be. So, getting them to the artist at home and to the museum has been a struggle. But it's 20 artists, 20 painted bourbon barrels. Every single barrel is sponsored by a bourbon brand or a local company, and that's how we raise the funds. But that's one initiative. We could go on, we got bourbon and Beethoven, bourbon and Broadway, bourbon and ballet, because bourbon is a common theme in Kentucky. It brings Us all together you can't be a kentuckian without having bourbon a big part of your life
4: well i have something from kentucky that i absolutely love with all my heart and passion i didn't get to say this during my segment but i'll say it now i went on the aspca website to get a kitten thought he was local and he actually came up from Kentucky. He is the most adorable, sweetest little guy.
2: Well, I have the perfect bourbon barrel for you then in this art exhibit because one of my artists, and I call them my artists because I feel like they're all my children. I'm so proud of them. I'm always showing off their work like it's my, my kids. But one of the artists painted this entire bourbon barrel wrapped all around it is the Louisville, Kentucky waterfront and skyline, but with all different cats enjoying a glass of bourbon like up in a hot air balloon and watching fireworks along the waterfront and uh, it's those all little cats uh, having Bourbon, you would love it. I'll have to send you a photo.
4: Oh, you have to send me a
6: picture of that. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> want to awesome. see it.
3: And you remember, this is all in the name of charity. So, yeah, so. I say bourbon in the name of charity is a great idea. Kenya? Yeah, so. I was comments? curious,
6: where do the funds go? Like, what type of projects do you fund and where does the money go to?
2: So, a few different places. One is other local nonprofits. So, for this particular exhibit, we have three beneficiaries. Um, other local nonprofits that will receive the proceeds, as well as the artist. And, you know, making these events that provide access to artists who wouldn't otherwise have that access. This exhibit is going to be in a large museum. The museum is also the official starting point of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. So this is a big deal. These are artists who, a a lot of them who would have never had that access otherwise. So the funds go to local nonprofits as well as the artist. So
4: how many different kinds of bourbon are there? It's just one kind or are there more than one?
2: Oh my goodness. Uh thousands and thousands of brands of bourbon, um, but 90%, we say 90% of the bourbon in the world is made in Kentucky. 100% of the good bourbon is made in Kentucky.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so
2: what does
4: it have to have to be called bourbon?
2: Some people think it has to be from Kentucky. It does not. There's a certain formula. Um, I can't give you the specifics here, but it is a certain formula, amount of corn versus rye, and, but it just so happens that 90% of the world's bourbon is made in Kentucky.
3: I hope if there's a nuclear war, they don't target Kentucky because that would be terrible. Uh, it is flammable. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a website where people can look at some of the events that you're sponsoring? I mean, how do you promote these and are there events for people outside Kentucky where they might be interested?
2: All the above, bourbonwithheart.org. Find us on any social media, bourbon with heart. And yes, so this Bourbon Barrel Art Exhibit, it will be on display for eight weeks at the Fraser Kentucky History Museum, but the public can vote for their favorite barrel design during that time, and that will all be online. So you can go to our website for that, and the winning artist will receive a cash prize plus a donation to the nonprofit of their choice at the end of the eight weeks. So bourbonwithheart.org, and if you come in town for Kentucky Derby, which is coming up soon... um, we are doing a bourbon barrel bow tie art exhibit and you can actually purchase these bow ties. These are bow ties made out of bourbon barrels. I know that sounds crazy. When you see it, it'll all make sense. So get ready, bourbon barrel bow ties. Wow.
4: It sounds like you guys are really out of the box with your creativity. That's pretty cool.
3: Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's been an amazing segment. I've learned a lot about Kentucky and a lot about bourbon, and we wish you all the success.
4: Passage to Profit with Richard Elizabeth Gearhart, our special guest today, Karen Louse. And what a fun show it's been. All women, except for Richard.
8: (laughs) We'll be right back after these messages. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget all of our attorneys are passionate about protection licensed and qualified to represent you before the united states patent and trademark office don't start your project without calling us first visit gearheartlaw.com together we can change the world visit g-e-a-r-h-a-r-t-l-a-w.com this ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson
3: it's passage to profit now it's time for noah's retrospective
8: noah Fleischman is our producer
4: here at Passage to Profit. We couldn't do this without him. And he just has a way of putting his best memories in perspective.
5: When I was 11 years old, what did I want more than anything? One of those consumer VCRs, video cassette recorders, with the great big camera pack, the things that looked like those television news units. Remember those with the big microphone? In those days, those things cost literally over $1,000. We didn't have that kind of money. But I sure did dream, let me tell you. The movies I would make, the television shows I would create. Of course it didn't occur to me that in order to do those things you needed a crew, you needed a cast, you needed writers, you needed people to help you make it happen. Well, none of it ever did actually happen, but many years later when I got online and looked on the internet I started seeing all of these things that looked like theatrical trailers and promotional films and movies. You know what those were? Those were people creating those things on their home computer software. People as young as Fifteen, fourteen, creating things that looked like genuine movie trailers that you would see in a theater. How much of a crew and cast did they have? Probably not too much. With less and less effort, technology is allowing us to create our dream. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes, at this point, I think to myself, wow. With less and less effort and more and more dreams available, keep dreaming and technology will just make the dream come true.
3: Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit.
4: And now we are to... The fun part of the show with the group. Wait, wait, the whole
3: show is fun. Why is this well, like the is this like the only fun part of the show? It's
4: a fun part of the show because I'm the one that thought it up.
3: Okay, hopefully so, fun for everyone. So else. we're
4: going to ask everybody the same question, and we're going to start with Karen. What is one quality of yours that you feel has really helped you in life or business?
0: Confident expectation. I am always expecting good things to happen to me, and they generally do. Because let's face mm. it, life is not all about <laughs> roses and all of that. But to me, it's about the expectation aligned with a positive outlook. I was initially going to say tenacious because that is, I, I'm definitely relentless about getting what I want and asking for what I want. But the expectation that when I do ask, people are going to say yes. And then if they don't, then I'll move on to the next person. It isn't something that I let hold me back.
1: Excellent. What about you, Siki? For me, it's definitely passion, connection, and life experience. You know, I'm very passionate about what I do. Therefore, I am very blessed with connections all over the world. And by connecting to people, I share my message, which is my life experience, the greatest degree I could possibly ask for. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And what about you, Morgan?
2: A lot of bourbon. (laughs) 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 Um, One thing that's helped me succeed is just not being afraid of the worst case case scenario. So, it really brings a lot of freedom and confidence if you just think worst thing that can happen is this doesn't work out.
6: Fearlessness. Um, Love fearlessness.
3: it. Yeah, absolutely.
6: Okay, Kenya. I have a very tenacious spirit and when I believe in something and I know that it has potential, I put it out there and I will make it happen.
3: I would say I'm a very good planner. I plan a lot and I work hard. I put too. a lot of time into my projects. Hopefully.
4: Yeah, he makes me work on weekends with him. <laughs> so I was thinking about this, and I think that mine is the same as Kenya's. I think it's tenacity. I am not giving up. I refuse to give up.
3: Anyway, so, let's do our run through.
4: For those of you who just turned in, our podcast comes out tomorrow. But we had amazing, incredible people on the show. We had Karen Laus, communication expert, confidence cultivator, podcast host, Ignite Your Confidence, bestselling author of Trust Your Own Voice, and you can find her at karenlaos.com K-A-R-E-N-L-A-O-S.com. And she has a lot of secrets that really help people succeed. Like you want to have that guy make it, and not that guy, or that woman and not that one. She has in-between stuff.
3: Yeah, I learned a lot.
4: And then we had Siki Tao, who is a meditation and stress management expert. And she had a lot of good ideas and things too. And you can work with her if you need to. And her website is seekytau.com T-S-I-K-K-I-T-H-A-U.com. She is so relaxed and gorgeous. I'm sure that she, her I, techniques I, really work. I
3: loved her segment. I just love the way she approached the topic. I thought she was fantastic.
4: Morgan Hancock with a nonprofit, Bourbon with Heart. Bourbonwithheart.org. She's doing all sorts of really cool art things in Kentucky and events, and they're having a big art exhibit. And it, it just, it sounds like a lot of fun what she's doing. It's
3: very creative who have thought of marrying bourbon and art and nonprofit, but it all works together. And since my
4: little kitty Max came from Kentucky, we're thinking of renaming him Bourbon.
3: We just have to change the vet records. That's
4: all. Oh, forget it then. <laughs> it's been to so many vets in his lifetime, that poor little kitty.
3: <laughs> anyway, it's time for us to sign off this week, but we'll return to the station next week with another episode of Passage to Profit. Before we go, I'd like to thank the Passage to Profit team, Noah Fleischman, our producer, Alicia Morrissey, our program director, and Mark Wilson, our syndication manager. Our podcast can be found tomorrow. Anywhere you find your podcasts, just look for the Passage to Profit show. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember, while the information during this program is believed to be correct, never take a legal step without checking with your legal professional. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.